went the lights. What a storm. There are the candles. Hmm. Maybe some wine. A little romantic music. And some... Wait! Wait, 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 wait. This is a family-friendly show. Welcome to What Is It About the Weather podcast, where we explore the many ways that weather intertwines itself into our lives. I'm your host, Mark Jelinek. I'm going to do a little microphone adjustment here. Hope you're having a good weather week since the last episode. I'm still dealing with fall and all that comes with fall. Cool mornings. Some days a little warmer than I would you know, opt for if I were picking my perfectly perfect weather. But pleasant overall. Lots of open windows. Lots of time outside without sweating to death. And I, I did the charity ride this weekend, so I'm not going to bug you guys anymore about raising funds. Thank you for those of you who did donate. I, I had a good mix. I had some people that donated from the podcast. I had some people that donated from like other social media, just you know Twitter and Instagram where I'd posted it. And I had some people also donated from the social media app I use exclusively for exercise. It's called Strava. You've probably heard me mention it before, but it, it, was, a, it was a nice representation. Raised $750, so I appreciate it to all of you. It's certainly going to go to a good cause. I'll put something in the show note links probably uh, about where it was. I, I, I may wait though. You know what? I'll probably wait until they post. They did a big presentation ceremony where they had a big check but I'd like to see what the final numbers are because it did look like they had raised quite a bit of money for autism related research and I think it'd be worthwhile sharing not only for those of you who donated but for those that didn't have a chance to this time around and you know maybe it's a cause that you could consider in the future I know we all get inundated requests for for funds and that's why I don't try to beat people up too much about it you know it's it Usually it takes a couple of weeks of reminding people, and some people wait till you see that did it. And you can still donate in in my name. Uh, that what is it about the weather slash charity? I'm not going to put it in the show notes, but if if you if want to and you thought about it, great. Like I said, if not, you know there'll there'll be future opportunities. So don't lose any sleep over it. The other thing I've been working on, and I did spend some time with it this last week, was blue sky weather. And you've heard me mention it before. This is kind of kind of be a video series with. Shorter videos, I don't know that I would call them TikTok length, but certainly not long videos. I think the longest one would be less than four minutes, but most of them are going to kind of be in that one to three minute range. I have a good selection of topics now. I just need to work on the music part, which isn't always easy, and kind of the... I'm going to do some sort of logo or something like that. It's going to be hosted on the the YouTube site for what is it about the weather. But I might do some separate branding because it really is kind of different content. Yes, there's always a weather component, but that's not the focus. The focus is just other things. So I got to do a little more work in putting those things together, but it is in process. I just wanted you guys to know, give you a quick update on that as well. And it, and it was something that I spent a meaningful amount of time with this past week. And I guess lastly, before we get on to the main episode, I will take a moment and, and just remind you the survey's still out there like I said I've gotten some interesting feedback some uh, contradictory responses that might be hard to solve in terms of making everybody happy but but again maybe with some new content some other things I'm considering people that want 
more longer episodes, maybe they'll be happy with some of that additional content. Overall, I think the response has been yeah, just you know some brief things, some highlights. It seems this kind of 20-minute range, not too much more, but around 20 minutes, certainly not any longer than 30 minutes per episode. It's kind of a sweet spot that seems to work for most people. But other stuff, uh, some ways to get you guys more engaged, and I like the idea, and some some different ideas were shared with, you know, or, or approaches were shared with how to do that. So we'll be going over some of those things. But overall, uh, the again, the feedback is useful. And, and by not framing the questions too much in advance, I did get some answers I don't think that I would have gotten otherwise. So I'm very happy that I kind of took the open-ended approach. But again, those who have not taken the survey yet, please do. Because you know one or two more answers that push things one way or another may make a difference. And so I would welcome the additional responses. What is it about the weather.com slash survey? It's really that simple. Link is in the show notes, but that's all you got to remember. What is it about the weather.com slash survey? I may throw it out a few more times in the Twitter feed. I, you know, it, it's kind of tricky getting people to respond through stuff from social media. I have noticed, and I tested this theory this week, and it's true. I've seen other people write about it. If you put a link in your social media, particularly in places like Twitter, but anywhere where you're redirecting away from the platform, and, and this is this is a meaningful thing that any of you who do uh, any sort of content creation or like other people to see your content, if it's in a social media platform where the goal is for them to keep the eyeballs within that platform, you better have a way to share or create a link within that platform. And, and let me give you an example. So for instance, on Facebook, which I don't use much anymore for a variety of reasons. I found Facebook was just not constructive in the process. A lot of people used it there. A lot of people followed there. But Facebook can give you a way to do surveys in Facebook, right? And maybe a way to do it, I could do this sort of thing in Twitter, is Twitter has little ways to do surveys too, but you kind of have to have a choice of answers. And, and it's kind of the same thing with a lot of these. When you're doing open-ended stuff, you, you kind of need to send somebody, you know, a place to go be able to answer those things. But as soon as you put links in that go off the platform, your post get less exposure. That's right, your post get less exposure. Now, I think to your core readers of whatever it is, whether it's a Instagram or a Twitter or Facebook or whatever. I think those folks still get it in their feed. Now, they may not get it at the time you want them to, but they tend to get it. But any exposure outside of that, or maybe people that follow you a little less frequently, it seems like that is diminished. I understand why it happens, but it's a reality that I'm sharing with you. So anytime I've done post about, like the like I'll, I'll go from a tweet that's gotten, I don't know, I'll tweet a, a picture about something. And let's say I get, I don't know, 250 views doesn't matter what it is let's just we'll use that number I get 250 views on it if same time same day of the week I do a similar post about the survey I might get 50 I mean it's been drastically different so for those of you who have taken the time to respond thank you that's why I keep mentioning it here I'll probably mention it a couple more weeks by the end of October I'll probably take the survey down but I am going to give it a few more weeks because I know not everybody always has time to do it when you first bring it up but enough of talking about those things. Let's get on to the main topic, weather and storks. No, no, no. Well, kind of indirectly storks. Weather and babies. Now, 
As I mentioned in the intro, this is a family-friendly podcast, and I'm going to try to keep it pretty basic. But for those of you who want to be careful with when this topic comes up and how it's discussed at all, you might want to listen to this before you have any kids listen to this episode. I don't think I'm going to say anything that's controversial, but eh, sometimes it's the topic in and of itself can be that way. So we're going to be talking about fertility and weather, and that relates to new babies. So if that's not a topic you want your youngins listening to, uh, hit pause now and listen to it later. And maybe I'll do a stork episode that they can listen to. <laughs> but for now, let's get moving forward. Now, every time I think about weather and babies, I always think about it in the context of things I heard you know, when I was younger or growing up. You know, that you had a power outage due to a storm of some type thunderstorms or a, a snowstorm blizzard type thing. And you always hear these news stories nine months later or so that'll talk about the rise in births in this local community after X happened. And that had always kind of been my connection was severe weather events, power outages, or and it didn't even have to be power outages, things that were sticking people inside. So a blizzard would be an example of that. Doesn't necessarily mean you lost power, but you know, you're cuddling up by the fire Things get a little more romantic. Whammo, babies happen. Yes, we all know the process, so I'm not going to delve into it. Storks deliver babies, right? That, that's that's I'm sticking with that. So the question is, how, how does weather impact storks? Well, let's talk about it specifically. With that in mind, I mean, you still read those, those stories from time to time. Maybe not as common as they used to be because they're not always as flashy, but I'll still see one. You know, every year or two, I'll, I'll catch one where that comes up. And I, again, it's it's kind of an obvious thing that happens. But I was more curious about just weather's impact on birth rates in general. And not too long ago, probably about six months ago, and I mentioned this, I joined this um, society that has to do more with biometeorology and. One of the things that caught my eyes, I, I would get their journal and I would see their abstracts. This article popped up about six months ago, maybe a little longer, maybe like nine months ago. And there'll be a link to it in the show notes. Now, you can't read it. You can read the abstract. But I do have some other resources there with some interesting articles that kind of highlight the same thing. And the long and the short of it is as follows. That heat is not good for fertility. Now, this has been studied not only in humans, but mammals in general. And actually, that's probably where more of the studies began, was just in, in just animal behavior and the role of hotter temperatures and, and what was the impacts. And more recently, it's really been investigated with the concept of humans specifically. And it's been looked at from both a, what I would call a developed versus a developing country perspective because the results might be different. The focus on the research has been more in developed countries, not surprisingly. it's Quite often it just has to do with more about where there's opportunity to research those things versus necessarily the results. But there, there are some implications that could influence one or the others. But the long and the short of it is as follows. When things are warmer, and, and there was a specific threshold, so when average daily temperatures get above 20 degrees C, 
which is about, it's just short of 70 degrees Fahrenheit for those of you who want to follow both those things. Again, we tend to use C in scientific literature. Uh, more specifically, we would use Kelvin, but that's usually translated because the scales are roughly the same. But for Fahrenheit, it's 68 degrees in terms of average daily temperature. And to get there, as you can imagine, you need some warm and, warm and cold. But the real question is why? What, what, is it, what is it impacting with those heats? And is it at different parts of the development of the baby that different things happen? All right. Now, back in the day, it's always been believed that hot things are bad for male fertility. And that's still believed to be the case. But it's even in a general sense, it's true. The Generally, the hotter a, a guy is, all right, particularly around guy development parts, the less fertile he is, right? We'll keep it simple. Keep it just like that. But it's not just the guys, and that's what they're finding out. So for a long time, it was always believed that was the key to the why this was happening. But what the new research is showing, actually, is it's just as much of an impact on the female as well. And there are a few things going on. And you can imagine this. Guys, you know, we got a small piece of the equation there. Women have to do the heavy load lifting throughout this whole process. With humans, roughly nine months, right? And there are different things that happen at different stages. And the hotter a person is in terms of a female that has a small unborn child within them, right? It's different, different phases, but early on it becomes a problem in the development of the baby. And towards the end, there's a risk of shorter pregnancies. Now, in examining all the literature, it seems, though, that the biggest problem is early on. And this has to do with all sorts of things. And we've talked about some of this stuff before, right, that heat does to our bodies. Okay? So if you think about when you're hot, you sweat more, or how your even your diet might change, we tend to absorb nutrients differently when we're hot. Okay, we we release different chemicals. We have different chemical responses and how our body helps us deal with a situation. So all those things come into play, not with just our body, but that little mini body, right? That's trying to develop within the female. So by having more heat early in the equation, different things can happen. Okay, it can make it impossible to actually get pregnant to begin with. So the pregnancy never happens. And again, that, that can be a guy thing and a woman thing. But let's say once there is a fertilized egg in the process, right, and it comes time to develop, it doesn't necessarily develop correctly if it doesn't have access to the right things. It's logical enough, right? The right nutrients, the right situation, a healthy mama, all that kind of stuff. And weather is one of the things that can influence that. And like I said, what was interesting in reading these articles is, you know, when you, you just think about the human, how the human body works and how our, our body, you know, stays healthy and the challenges that the woman's body has to go through to do that for the second life within them, right? Or this developing life within them. 
So as that process goes through, it's, it's very sensitive to a variety of things. And heat apparently is one of those things. And it's, it's really wild when you look at, there's a graphic and there's, there's one of the links I'll put in the show notes that even just shows this graphic about, it can be really cold, average daily temperature. And you go up through, like I said, about 20 C and it, it fluctuates a little bit, but it doesn't seem that temperature is a sensitivity. Right. But then all of a sudden you get above 20 degrees in terms of average daily temperature and that that number just plummets. I mean, it's significantly lower. And again, this has not been something that one person studied. This is something that multiple people studied. And that's why I put a few of the results in the show notes that these outcomes are shockingly kind of off the scale at, at how quickly it, you know, it happens. But Clearly, in developed countries, there are things you can do about it, right? You can spend more time in climate-controlled situations. Now, those come with their own problems, okay? And you don't necessarily want to be inside all the time by any means. And quite frankly, any woman who is carrying a child, I mean, one of the goals is for them to be healthy, right? And that means being outside and and getting reasonable exercise and all the things that go with it to, to maintain their strong body and the challenge they run into is when we get into hot situations, you don't want to be outside as much, right? So you can be inside, so it's going to mitigate some of that, that maybe the the heat exposure itself and what that does to the body may go away. But that may make the, the, the woman, you know, have other chemical responses or other body responses that are not productive in reproduction, right? So it goes along. Let's assume we get past that stage. And this, the, the interesting part of this is this is what's tricky about it, right? So you've got a human baby that's got nine months to develop. So if it's critical that things not be too hot in when you try to conceive the baby, so maybe not in the core summer months, okay, but also during the birthing months, if that's a real risk because you don't want premature babies. Now, again, there are things in modern science we can do to help discourage a woman going into premature labor, but you don't want to just do that blanketly with everybody if you don't have to, because it's a big disruption, right? But if it's really hot during the summer months, and it's really hot then in the fringe season, you all of a sudden run out of time to work with. And that's one of the concerns. And, and, you know, one of the studies was looking at it from even just a climate change standpoint is... If we're really in a warming climate, which I think we all agree currently we are, okay, within a warming climate, if more parts of the world specifically that aren't used to it, and this is one of the things that I didn't see well documented, but was alluded to a little bit, which is the acclimation process. Because clearly people that live in the tropics that are used to heat probably are less prone to dealing with some of these issues. That part wasn't as well studied, even though it did seem to suggest that yeah, it, it's the risk is more in places that are used to a change in season and are used to a change in temperatures, that they need to continue to have those things for, an, in, and again, think in mid-latitudes, which where the bulk of people live, okay, that there is still this need to have temperatures that cool off, right? And that even if they get warmer during the day, there's this balance that maybe it allows the body time to recover, whatever it might be. And again, the extra demands placed on the woman's body, it gives it a chance to say, oh, I'm good. I, you know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not overheating, those sort of things. And it all becomes important. So it's a circle. 
So the reality seems to be that it's important for us to have cooler temperatures to kind of have fertility at the rates that it's been. I don't know. I, I found it kind of interesting. It, it was one of those headlines that scientific papers don't always catch your attention, right? And so the article in of itself, this it's a long title, didn't necessarily go, oh, wow, I got to read that right away. But it was one of those ones that hung in the background because I knew that, you know, it, it's an interesting idea and, and the the Topic itself could be interesting for you guys, and, and I'm, I'm hoping some of you found it interesting to know that this really is an impact. And I, but I do think there there are takeaways from that, right? It does suggest that for those of you out there that are trying to conceive, that maybe it's something you keep in mind. Avoid, you know, putting yourself in too much of a of a hot situation. And this is both sides of the equation. Like I said, watch the heat. Don't get too much of it. But like I said, I think it's important to balance that. You know, maybe go for evening walks or, or late in the day walks if you want to still be outside getting getting your exercise. But it's not just fertility, and I've witnessed this personally with with other conditions as well, like multiple sclerosis, where the heat is a bad thing. And you know, there's this balance with MS where you're trying to encourage exercise, but you're trying to keep the body from overheating, which is one of the things where swimming is recommended, where the body can be more regulated in terms of its temperature. But as we learn more about this stuff, and I think that's the key thing, is they don't, the article still were speculating in terms of a lot of stuff, because it's hard to study, right? End of day, a lot of these things, it's hard to give the direct link. But there's reasonable hypothesis or hypotheses going on about what could be the cause. But the long and the short of it is that it, there does seem to be a connection. And it's just another thing to take into consideration. But like a lot of things, don't go drastic. It's like, it's like diets that we you know get thrown at us, whatever. It's not about making the big changes. It's like everything in moderation. I don't think a day of being hot is going to ruin anybody. But we shouldn't overdo it if we can avoid it. We should do these things that are good to us and those around us. And this is just another example of that. I don't know. I found it interesting. Whether you've got a, a story about, about this sort of thing or you've got something related to the survey or anything else, doesn't matter. You, reach out. Let me know. What is about the weather? Gmail.com. Mark underscore Jelonic on Twitter. Reach me on Instagram as well, other places. It's not just there. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, which helps us keep going, patreon.com slash weather. And with that, the next time you see a stork in the sky and you wonder why they're showing up at certain months of the year and not others, maybe subtract nine months and look at what the temperature trends were. Because as we all know, there's much more to weather than the weather itself. <laughs>